And this is View of the Valley's podcast, Season 3, Episode 7, with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how you been? I know you've been under the weather. Oh, a lot better now. I, uh, you know, I don't know who I upset, but they definitely got revenge on me on Monday. It was a life-changing experience, but nobody wants to hear about that, you know. It was probably because I was watching that championship game and was just disgusted by how much better uh, Georgia was than TCU on that night. But, uh, you know, hats off to the guys at Georgia, and, you know, we don't have to watch anything more about Stetson. You know, he's only, like, you know, 35 years old, still playing college football, but more power to him. Yeah, he's what well, he's older than some of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, he's 25. He's so... Yeah, you know, I didn't plan on really watching the game after, you know, Ohio State didn't quite make it. Um, But then I got on DraftKings, saw there was some profit boosts for the national championship. And, you know, I I didn't expect TCU to win necessarily, but the value plays were too too good to pass up. So, like, I opted in, got this 100% boost, so it, it went from TCU being plus 350 Money line underdog to plus 700. Yep. Place that bet. Well, that, yeah, I didn't get much excitement out of that. Wasn't even close. 30, 33% boost on Duggan to throw over uh, one and a half touchdowns. Yep, didn't get that either. Um, but I enjoyed Netflix for the second half. Didn't Georgia cover the over by themselves yes 63 and a half was the over under that's that's kind of a feat in and of itself yeah i mean it was just duh i mean yeah i understand tc was missing their running back but that doesn't even if he plays okay maybe they lose by 40 instead of what yeah doug and just i mean he had a rough night I and mean, it just like it doesn't matter how, if their running backs playing georgia scored on every possession in the first half they scored on every possession, and Doug, he was running for his life. Like, the, the they were just getting right past the offensive line. Yeah, so obviously, it, it's – I mean, when you look at it from the outside, it seems like the Georgia coaches saw something that no one else did and were able to exploit it. I mean, if nothing else, they were able to exploit it better. I mean, sometimes it's athletes, but, you know, it, I think sometimes it's, it's a little bit of both scheme and athletes. Oh, 100%. But outside of that, TJ, um, some exciting games in the NVC and OVC last week. Uh, going to be going to be kind of a short episode this week, uh, but we will look back at last week's games and look ahead to uh, tomorrow's games as we record on Wednesday and then uh, also Saturdays as well. Um, at least in the OVC, I know NVC doesn't have the same schedule. But mm-hmm. what did you see on the NVC last week, TJ? Well. My, I gave up on my Salukis, and then they came back to win. You know, I flipped over to finish up uh, last chance. You just was frustrated with the way they played. And I'm looking at my phone like, well, now they're up one. And then now they're up with under a minute to go. And you know, they end up beating Drake at, in Carbondale. You know, it was a big come from behind win, you know, for them to win that game. Uh, you know, and then, you know, Illinois-Chicago, I, I feel like time and time again, they and Illinois State are both just right on the cusp of breaking through here. We're recording this on Wednesday, but UIC takes Belmont to overtime last night, you know, and Illinois state keeps, keeps showing up, 
you know, it, it's just I, I've, I've been really impressed with them. I guess that Belmont UIC game was last week, so sure. I was thinking of uh, the Drake UIC game last night. The Drake and UIC went to overtime. I mean, they're, they're playing competitively, you know, whereas you look at other teams like Evansville and Valpo, like just it seems like they just can't get any traction, and I'd like to see them get more competitive just for the sake of the league. And, you know, I know that my Salukis need some help. So I'd like to like to see that happen. You know, in, in Indiana State, I've got, somebody's got to knock them off eventually. You know, right now they're the class of the conference. I thought maybe a week non-con would take kind of padded their schedule. But, you know, they're showing that, you know, here they are at, you know, 6-0 in league play. And it, it's it's for a reason. You know, they're playing really well. They play fast-paced, putting up a lot of points. So uh, I've just been really impressed with Indiana State. And, you know, I think – it seems to be like Indiana State, a bunch of teams in the middle, and then your bottom three or four right now. And like I said, Indiana, excuse me, Illinois State and UIC. I think they're they're going to win a couple of games here that people aren't expecting them to win. So, and Northern Iowa seems to be getting their feet under them as well. So, with a couple with a big win over SIU on Saturday, and then beating Murray State uh, at home last night. So, you know, and then you know, flip over to the UBC. I think it's kind of what a difference a week makes. So what, what are you seeing on that side? Yeah, I mean, you look at last week in the OVC. Um, what did you have? Let's see. SEMO played at Tennessee Martin. Um, lost 87-82. Uh, but then they, they rebounded with a win at Little Rock. Yeah, rebounded with that win against Little Rock. Um, but it just kind of goes along the lines of it's it, it's been tough to win on the road. Um, they lose at UT Martin, um, but then they did rebound with the win against Little Rock. Um, Tennessee Tech, I, I I have not been able to figure them out, TJ. Um, I, I feel the same way. Like, they were 0-2 where I was looking at Eastern Illinois. It was 2-0, and... They're both two and two now. Yeah, I mean, Eastern Illinois has been on a roll. Um, their defense has been there. Um, nothing too flashy on offense, even though they had put up some high-scoring games, especially against Iowa, um, to name one. But having said that, Tennessee Tech, you know, we talked about it last week. You know, the, the game they had against SIUE, and then they go across the river to Lindenwood. Ice cold both games. Um, not sure you could really shoot much much worse now having said that they turn and play eastern illinois and they put up a 70 spot on and hold eastern illinois to below 50 points um so and i'll I'll be honest you know watching tennessee tech in person at siue they, they do have talent um i don't think there's any i don't think that's that's a stretch um, they just couldn't couldn't make a basket. Um, well, there was a free throw, three pointer, layup. They got size and they got talent. I think it's just a matter of time um, before some of it starts clicking. And maybe that Eastern Illinois game will help. I mean, they have Morehead State transfer Jalen Seabury, and I think if he's able to to get it going, then that'll that'll help Tennessee Tech for sure. Um. Moorhead State and Southern Indiana, great game. Um, I think I think Vegas had that as a two point two point spread for Moorhead State. 
Uh, and it was just that. Uh, Southern Indiana led by one point at half, 37-36. And I think Morehead State actually opened it up late in the second half, but Southern Indiana chipped away and actually uh, closed that closed that spread down to the very, very little one or two points at the end. But Morehead State made a couple free throws with like one second left, pulled away with an 84-80 home win. Southern Indiana, 8-8 eight eight on the season. That dropped them to one and eight on the road. Um, now you were at the SIUE Tennessee State game. What'd you see in that game? Uh, I just feel like SIUE's depth's really getting them places. You know, they uh, since they've moved D1 Pruitt back into the starting lineup, that gives them not not to slight Lamar Wright, but I really think D1 Pruitt's been a, a big difference in the middle. Uh, you know, and then. Uh, DeMarco Miner is named Newcomer and Player of the Week in the league. So I think that's right there. I, I feel like I've been on the DeMarco Miner bandwagon since, you know, pre, since uh, the non-conference season. I really think he makes a difference for them. They can move uh, Rayshon Taylor off the ball. I think, you know, that, and then they, they just have a number of threats. They can hit you inside with, uh, like I said, with Pruitt or with, right and he can go outside both rights can hit shots outside and then they're bringing terrence thompson who's just a big human being like you just see him he just like and the guy doesn't and the guy looks like he could still put on some bulk as well so i just really think there's a lot of balance for them that even the nights they don't shoot well that they rebound the heck out of the basketball that's the one big thing i've noticed out of them um what you know, a- i just i don't i don't see any slights in tennessee state i just think the talent depth was a little bit more for the Cougars. I mean, it had been a good matchup watching Rayshon Taylor and uh, Junior Clay of Tennessee State. I mean, Clay chipped yeah. in 22 points. Yeah, you know, and it just it really felt like he shot the ball really well because, you know, as weird as it sounds, it felt like a quiet 22 because I think that's when somebody doesn't put up a lot of shots. Sure. You know, somebody puts up a lot of shots and scores 30 points, you kind of notice they don't put up a lot of shots. That's when it seems quiet. And, you know, I think that was the difference in that game for them. You know, I, Again, just get to see two of the premier guards in the league. Well, then you jump ahead to Saturday, and Tennessee Tech, uh, just that again. Um, not expected to beat UT Martin. Um, game actually went to overtime. Uh, Tennessee Tech led it half by six. Uh, and Tech pulls away with an 84-80 win. So maybe their offense is starting to click. James Harvey with 23 points. Um, he's got some good footwork. Notice that at SIUE. He's quick. Quick with the ball. Um, K.J. Simon, 19 points, three steals for UT Martin. So it'll be, be interesting to see if UT Martin uh, gets back on track here or what Tennessee Tech's able to do. Now they've put they've put two wins together, um, 70 and 84 points. Uh, maybe their cold stretch is over. Um, and that'd be, that'd be great to see for uh, Coach Pelfrey and his staff. Mm-hmm. Um, Moorhead State in Eastern Illinois, I think we talked about this one last week. Uh, I was expecting a defensive defensive battle uh 69-59 so kind of in that ballpark nobody got to 70 points I was actually thinking it'd be in the 50s for both but nonetheless Moorhead did what they were supposed to do at home held Eastern Illinois to under 60 points um already mentioned the SEMO game um led by Chris Harris uh, Gardner though for Little Rock did post a double double 12 points 12 rebounds uh Tennessee State uh went went across the river to Lindenwood, uh, came away with a 60 to 57 win. That was their first win on the road. Uh, I tell you what, I thought 
I thought Lindenwood was going to pull through. Um, Lindenwood's been playing been playing pretty good, um, honestly. I know they haven't had the best schedule when you look at non-conference games, but nonetheless, they've been winning games that they're supposed to. Um, 7-10 and 10 right now, but they were leading Tennessee State at half, 32-18, and that, Tennessee State couldn't have started off much colder, and I, I thought that... <laughs> I thought that was going to be the same stretch that Tennessee Tech had had. Um, go to SIUE, shoot cold. Go to Linwood, even colder. Um, but Tennessee State was able to pull through in the second half, outscoring Linwood 42-25. And then SIUE on the road knocked off Southern Indiana for their first home loss, uh, 69-62, led by a huge game out of minor. Um, for the Cougars, 27 points, 11 rebounds. I know you're high on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that that's that's what happened in the OVC last week. Uh, what are you looking ahead to in the Missouri Valley side here for this week, TJ? I think, you know, I was kind of looking forward to the Southern Illinois-Indiana State game, but it looks like my Salukis can't score again. But kind of looking forward to this weekend. Uh, I think Belmont – hosting Northern Iowa, and then Bradley going to Drake are the two big games for this Saturday. Um, really see where things kind of shake out from there. You know, can Belmont kind of compete with, you know, start to beat some of those teams at the upper half of the league? And, you know, Drake is so hard to figure out because they've had games on both sides. So, you know, that you know, they finally get that first road win, true road win of the season last night at, at Illinois-Chicago. So I think, I think the biggest ones that stand out are – Northern Iowa and Belmont to see if Northern Iowa continues to figure this out uh, and see, you know, there, there could be a lot of points put up because there, I mean, Northern Iowa put, put some shots up and we know how Belmont loves to push the ball and shoot the three. So you know, Northern Iowa, they scored 69 points against SIU last week. Who's, you know, one of the league leaders in defense. They scored 75 points against Murray last night. You know, they're just Northern Iowa's putting up some points. So, and Belmont, you know, is is Belmont seventy seven points, seventy four points, you know, seventy four points again. So I mean, that's that's a game I think you you probably look and take the over if it's anything below about one fifty. Sure. Um, when you're looking at the Missouri Valley standings right now, TJ, I think if you look towards the bottom, um, basically your bottom four is Illinois State, UIC, Evansville, and Valpo. Um, outside of those bottom four, is there a team? in that bottom four that you expected to maybe be better or have gotten off to a better start at this point in the season in conference play? Maybe Northern Iowa. I think I maybe expected more out of them, but then when you kind of take a closer look at them, you see how much they were losing with AJ green, you know, and and Bowen Bourne has kind of filled that role. I don't know if he's still leading the league in scoring, but he was leading the league in scoring, but you know, they're just finding, I think, Sometimes Jacobson's system might take a little time for kids to get out of its used to or to start to buy in on that, hey, you know, these things work or they just kind of click. But, you know, I, I, I always expect big things out of uh, Northern Iowa. So I, I think I was expecting more out of them at this point. But, you know, I, I think Belmont and Murray are competing maybe even better than I expected. You know, especially with Murray having such a huge turnover of their roster. You know, I think Steve's doing a great job down there and, you know, making some things happen there. So is there anyone that stood out to you like 
you're upset, you know, like disappointed in or, you know, uh, surprised by? <clears throat> On the OVC side? Yes, sorry. Um, I don't want to say surprise. Honestly, I think right now everything's kind of going as kind of expected. I think it's going to be a pretty balanced finish. Um, with all the teams that have left the OVC, you know, last couple years with Austin P, Belmont, Murray, Eastern Kentucky, and Jacksonville State. Um, yeah, you've had the additions of Linwood, Southern Indiana, and Little Rock. But I, I think ultimately it's – those were some high-quality teams that, that left. Um, and that's nothing against the programs that are still in the OVC. But yeah, I think – You lose the best player in the league too. Yes. Yeah. I think I mean, that's something to be said. Yeah, you lose Jani Broom. Um, that's That's huge. But nonetheless, it's made it a more balanced league. Um, that's not to say that the teams that left made it unbalanced, but I think it just made it pretty top heavy. And then after that, it was just a, a just a fall off. Oh yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's unfair to say that made it uncompetitive. I mean, because after you got past Murray, Belmont, and then Moorhead, it was like those three than everybody else for sure. I. I don't mean that to be critical. I just feel like that's pretty straightforward. Yes. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, I mean, stood out. I don't – I think I'm impressed <clears throat> to see what Lindenwood's done in OVC play thus far. Um, yeah, they're only 2-2, two and two, but um, to grab those two wins, um, huge for huge for their program at first year at the D1 level. Um, now they do have an in-state game against SEMO, so I think, I think a lot will be, you know – a lot will be said for to see where they're at there now. Because you look at SEMO um, and conference play, they're averaging 80 points a game, roughly. Lindenwood's only given up about 60. So um, will Lindenwood's defense shine, or will their offense keep pace? Um, that'll be something that, that will have to be seen from uh, Lindenwood. Um, I, other than that, I think Moorhead's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um they play good defense, um, giving up 68 points on the season. Um, I I think that was an area that I was looking forward to watching, see how they would play without Broom. Um, they also lost a couple others from last year. Um, but also was looking forward to seeing the, the UT Martin tandem down there um, with KJ Simons and uh, Parker Stewart. And they're both living up to that right now. Um, so I think they're going to be a team, a team to be reckoned with down the stretch. Um I mean, if you look at the top three in the, in the standings right now in the OVC, you're clearly looking at the home records right now. Um, SIUE six and one, Moorhead's eight and one, UT Martin's nine and one. You got to be able to protect that home that home court. 100 percent. I mean, I think you you have to think we need to win every home game, all ten of all nine of your home games, and then you hope to go. Five and four, seven and two on the road to really be in position to win the league. But I think if we're looking at this week, um, looking at tomorrow's games, already talked about Linwood Semo. But Moorhead State at Tennessee Tech. Um, is Tennessee Tech's offense going to be able to keep up with what they've been doing? I don't know. Moorhead always focuses on defense and they move the ball slow. Um, they're not a fast paced team. Um, they can be at times. If if they adjust to the opposing team, but typically during conference play, they like to move, be at a slow pace, control the pace of the game. Um, 
So I like Moorhead in that one. Um, SIUE and Eastern. Which Eastern team are we going to see? Um, are we going to see the, the team that rattled off four straight wins? Or are we going to see the team that got steamrolled by Tennessee Tech? Yeah, well, I mean, you have to also look. They're 2-0 and at home in a conference play and 0-2 on the road. So is that the difference, too? But SIUE will be a good test to see whether it's home or away or the, you know, top of the league versus, you know, outside the top of the league. Sure. Uh, but I think I think the game I'm looking forward to the most is UT Martin and Tennessee State. Um, UT Martin okay. j- just lost to Tennessee Tech. Um, Tennessee State, who I did not mention, they're also eight and two at home. Um, a little bit of an easier schedule at home, but nonetheless, they've been taking care of the games they should. Ten and seven, both teams ten and seven overall. But this is an area that UT Martin has struggled with on the road, one and six. Um, Tennessee State's got size. You saw that. Uh, at SIUE the other day. Yeah, they got um, a ton of it. This is going to be a critical game, I think, for for Coach Ritter's team. Um, if Now, is this going to decide the rest of the season? No. Um, but to lose previously to Tennessee Tech, now you're playing Tennessee State. Are you going to drop two in a row? Because um, this is a Tennessee State team that seems to get off to some cold stretches to start games. Um, and that might be what UT Martin needs to get going. And then you got Little Rock and Southern Indiana. I think I think that's the game that might be nationally televised, if I'm not mistaken. I think that game's... Yeah, ESPNU. Okay, so that must have been the other wild card game for the OVC. Um, but looking forward to the UT Martin-Tennessee State game. Um, I know Tennessee State likes to get up and down the floor, um, but definitely going to be some some good offense in there, I think, because you got you got Junior Clay for Tennessee State, um, Diedrich Boyd also there for the Tigers, and then I've already mentioned the two for UT Martin. So could be a lot of points scored in that game. Uh, wouldn't be surprising to see another game like the Tennessee Tech and UT Martin, um, 84-80, um, somewhere in that range. Uh, you look ahead to Saturday for the OVC. Um, Tennessee Tech visits SEMO. SEMO's um, at Moorhead State, I'm sorry. It's the following week SEMO plays at home against Tennessee Tech. Um, but you also have Tennessee State. They play at Tennessee Tech. Little Rock in Eastern Illinois. Lindenwood at SIUE. And UT Martin at Southern Indiana. Um, so there, there, there's going to be some good tests here. Um I think the SEMO going up against Moorhead State's defense, that's going to be a real test, see where the Red Hawks are at. Um, they've played some other quality teams that have good defenses that slow the pace down. Uh, but it's going to, it, I think it's going to depend on if SEMO's going to be able to knock down the three. Um, I know some other games this year, they've, they fell in the loss column, um, but that was against teams that had solid defense, and SEMO was having some injuries and. In, uh, um, sickness going around at that time, so they weren't at full strength. So good test for SEMO in that one. Um, and then I think it's going to be interesting to see the Linwood SIUE game, TJ. Both schools, what, separated less than an hour? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, see what the atmosphere is like at SIUE. Um, cause I, there's been a couple times I've seen how many people have been at SIUE, and, and honest, honestly, TJ, I think this is the best team SIUE has 
has had, especially at the Division One level. They got a lot of talent. I think, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, they got a lot of talent, but I've been a little disappointed in the fan turnout. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Not gonna lie about that. I, I think it's actually been pretty good. I thought you know they had a good turnout uh, last week against Tennessee State, especially considering a Thursday night game without students there, and you know SIUE is still a commuter campus, so. You know, they don't have that kind of that campus atmosphere that some of the other schools do. So, you know, I think they've been better. You know, I think they had a really good crowd for the Bradley. So I think you're going to see that continue to improve as they, they win and get a little more support from that side. Well, this could be also a, a game where maybe an attendance record may be set. You know, it's... Could be. You know, well, Linwood's obviously going to draw fans. What I've been told, the years that SLU was really good and they would play at SIUE, it'd be standing room only. So, okay. Well, that'd be a tough task to uh, to go up against here. Yeah. But I definitely see that it could be the most attended game, I would hope. Yeah. Right. It'll, it could be up there for the whole season this year, yeah. I think the Moorhead game next week, you know, jumping ahead to next week, I think that if people are paying attention, they should realize that should be a good game as well. Oh yeah, I mean, because if you if you look at the standings right now um, in the OVC, what we got here, um, if both if both go as planned, if SIUE and Moorhead both won their games this week, they'd both be five and one going into that Thursday night game, and that'd be mm-hmm. you know wouldn't yeah. surprise me maybe if we see another if that'd be like a wild card game that could be on national television. I haven't actually yeah. seen what dates are left for the OVC, but I think they have four un unscheduled matchups left for national television. And that'd yeah, be a good one to see. Be one of them, you know, if you're looking at it, that's one of the dates they have picked, but yeah, I, I mean, it could have a huge seating implication when come later in the season too. Oh, for sure. For sure. But outside of that TJ, that's, that's what we got on the OVC side. Yep. That's about all I had on the MVC side. All right. Well, with that, uh, said so we're going to keep it pretty short. TJ's been getting over getting over his sickness, so we're not going to keep him on here too long. But other than that, anything you'd like to add, TJ? Nope, just getting close to halfway. It feels like the, the uh, conference tournaments are just, you know, right around the corner now. What are we, about six weeks out? So well, it's going to get here quick. It'll be here before you know it. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. But with that, TJ, that'll wrap up Episode 7 here on View of the Valleys. For TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week for Episode 8. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And you can give us a follow on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.